This is Beta Cell, a show about people living with type 1 diabetes. I'm Craig Steubing. Type 1 diabetes is hard to manage, even in perfect circumstances. You're trying to balance so many factors to keep your blood sugars in range. And many of those factors you can't even control. So the deck is already stacked against you. It makes sense to want to minimize the different aspects in your life that push your blood sugars up or down. But many people with type 1 diabetes, myself included, seem to chase the thrills that make our lives so much harder. When I was able to do a half marathon, I signed up for a full marathon then a 200-mile relay race, then a triathlon, and I would do Spartan races. At no point does the training for these become easy in terms of managing my blood sugars. As soon as I think I've figured things out, almost the very next day, everything completely changes. Race days are no easier. They vary from virtually perfect to the worst blood sugar days of my life. And the entire time that I'm racing, a very large part of my mind is always worried about my blood sugar. Abby had been a competitive swimmer in high school, but after she was diagnosed with type 1 at 22 years old, it took a while to relearn how to swim, not to mention live life normally again. But when the nonprofit Beyond Type 1 was putting together a team of 20 people with type 1 diabetes to bike from New York to San Francisco in the summer of 2017, Abby signed up. When that was over, she looked for something even harder. I, with a swimming background and my new love of cycling from bike beyond or just the fact that I picked up cycling more I decided hey why not check that Ironman off the bucket list what do you think drives you to do these two really long uh really physically and mentally challenging events bike beyond and Ironman those aren't things that a normal person signs up to do (laughs) And especially not someone with type one. I think it's a couple things. I didn't start doing endurance events until after I was diagnosed. So I can't even say, well, I was really great. I mean, I guess I always did the long distance events in swimming. And I I call in when you're in college, the longest swim you can do is a mile in the pool. And I kind of, as I would build up those distances, I kind of realized the longer the event was the better I would do. And it wasn't daunting to me to do the really long stuff. Um, And I didn't like the sprint stuff. I don't like getting out there and going very fast for a short period of time. I'm like, I can go a medium speed, but I can do it a long time. Um, And my coach kind of realized that. And he, he at the time was the one who um, started putting like a bug in my ear, I guess, to do endurance things. And I actually didn't do my first open water swim until probably a year after I graduated because I was diagnosed with type one. And I was like, I don't know how to work out with this. I don't even know how to like live my life with this. So it took me probably a year before I got back in the water to start swimming again. And the first time I did, I will never forget it. My blood sugar was like, I was so nervous to go low, so nervous. And I'm pretty sure my blood sugar was over 200 and I had like goose at the side of the pool. And I was just like, I'm going to die. I can't even do a 50. It's for, I'm for sure going to go low. And I was totally fine. And now I also swim an hour or two without, without anything, but I didn't know at the time I started doing all these open water swims and I just kind of built up 
one mile and three and then five and then like longer. I don't know. I just have a weird endurance brain, I think. And I, I just like that space. Once you complete one thing, you're like, that felt great. It hurt. And the training kind of sucked, but you forget all of that when you're done with an event, you forget all the things you gave up during training. And it's just this great feeling of, of accomplishment. Doing anything endurance, what no matter what sport is, it's so much more about your mental, how you approach it than the actual physical thing. And and then of course the physical part comes in that you do have to train for you have to teach your body how to withstand exercise for a long period of time. But as long as you and it, that takes a long time to train for, you know, it's not like you're training for a month or two, you're kind of thinking, okay, this is a three to nine month training period. So that's another thing to kind of wrap your head around. But I don't know. It's, I won't say it's come easy to me, but the mental approach, I guess, has come easy. And that when I look at an event like an Ironman for 17 hours, I don't necessarily think that it's daunting. I just think, okay, that's going to take me all day. Can I teach my body how to move all day? and then accomplish this great thing at the end and at the end be able to say I did an Ironman or I biked across the country and the biking across the country was a little bit different too because it was more of a every day you're working you're doing something so you have to just kind of it's shorter rides each day so it doesn't take all day but the day after day after day after day but at the same, if you just take it one day at a time, it's like, okay, here's a 60 mile ride today. Okay, here's an 80 mile ride. And there were definitely, you know, up to 100, but there were also 35 and 50 mile days. So taking that ride last summer one day at a time was kind of how I approached that and thinking, I don't know if I can bike cross country, but I can bike this far today. And then I'll regroup and maybe do it again the next day and the next day. There has to be points where you think about, oh yeah, I also have diabetes. Like this isn't a walk in the park. Yeah. And I will say diabetes presents a very added challenge. Until bike beyond most of the long distance events I've done were swimming. They're long enough that you you have to check your blood sugar while you're swimming and you can't, you have to tread water. You can't touch the boat. You can't get out of the water. So that is a really big challenge and something that nobody else has to deal with. And when I, when you have to tread water for, I don't know, anywhere from two to five minutes just to check your blood sugar because Dexcom or, or another CGM doesn't work in the water. That is so exhausting and takes away from the energy you have to, to do the actual swim you're doing. So I guess at that point, that is frustrating, I think to me, because I'm like, well, I'm doing this swim and nobody else has to stop and tread water for this long. And I'm like wasting so much energy doing this. And that sucks. So to think, okay, I could have swam that 40 minutes faster kind of thing. That's frustrating. Do you think it puts you at a disadvantage? I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, a little bit, I guess, a disadvantage in that it requires more effort to complete the swim. I haven't done anything long enough yet where I physically couldn't finish it. But that is taking away from from the energy you have used to finish that event. It is frustrating to think that I have to do this extra step that other people don't have to do. But in those swims so far, in training for it, type one, it's an extra challenge, but it, it never really bothered me. It was more like you plan for it, you prepare for it, you deal with it, and it just is what it is. I didn't start doing these swims or any endurance events until after I was diagnosed. So it's kind of always been there. It's not like 
I used to do it without, and now I have this extra thing. I just deal with it. It is what it is. But I will say, in training for the Ironman, I encountered something this spring that I have never dealt with before. And it was totally, I mean, like you said, I kind of have the mental game of these endurance events down. This spring, I lost that in the middle of Ironman training. And it, I think, is totally directly related to type one because climbing to these distances and times doing these sports, especially with running, you know, never having really spent a ton of time running, I was having wildly roller coaster blood sugars. And I'd have two weeks where any exercise I did was making me go high. And then I would be like, okay, maybe that's my new normal. And so then I would be more comfortable with some insulin on board when I ran. And then the next two weeks I would tank. And so what happened was it always happened on the run. I would run so often and go low to a point where I'd end up walking for half of it. And I, I got so frustrated with that. You know, you get up and you get ready to run and you take the time out of your day and then you can't actually do the workout. And it just, when you go through a point, you know, I, I ended up having to dial back my insulin needs. So it's like, I figured out a solution and then, it, and then it worked out again, but I lost so many workouts in that process trying to figure out what my insulin needs were or what my food needs were to, because my body was just not used to this. And it was a new territory for me. This whole training was new for me. And so missing those workouts, then I would just get in my own head and be like, when am I going to make that up? I don't have time to make it up because of work or because I'm doing these other workouts. And if you're high and then you tank or if you you get really low and then you come back up, I mean, it's draining. I don't know about you, but I just feel like exhausted after that happens and mentally drained. The mental too, but also physically, you, like you can't really recover from, you're, you're kind of screwed. Oh my gosh. For that yeah. So, it's exhausting. So even if it does come back up, even if you have eight gels. Yeah. Your blood sugar will be fine, but you've, you've got no energy. Exactly. And I remember this one day where I was, I decided I needed motivation to like keep going. So I decided to go to like drive to a running spot. So I made a lot of effort to go run along the river here. And I ran for like two miles and then just, I just felt it. And it comes on, it came on so quick and it was just tanking. I had to end it. And then I ended up walking because I was low for like, another half hour or 40 minutes until I came back up and then I did a little bit of an extra run. But like you said, I was just exhausted. I had no energy and I just went like in my car and I just like cried totally. Honestly, I was so frustrated and in such a dark place. And it, then my blood sugar was staying low. I mean, it was like hovering in the sixties and I'm like, now I need to drive home. And I, you know, and I just was like eating anything I had and it wasn't coming back up. Finally I ended up getting home and, and then my blood sugar's fine. And it's like, well, I could go finish that run now. It was weekends and I didn't have plans, but I just, I was so mentally drained and like, so in a dark place at the point and so frustrated that I just curled up on the couch and took a nap. And I was, I remember thinking like, I hate this. I hate being diabetic. I hate Ironman. I hate Ironman training. And I was training. I, my, one of my best friends did it with me and she's a really good triathlete. She's not type one. And she's a very positive and supportive person. And I just remember thinking, like, she doesn't know how good she has it, you know, not having to deal with type one. And I remember just, I wanted to, 
I wanted to tell her and be like, you're so lucky you don't get it. You don't have to deal with this. And then I felt bad for thinking that because it's not really my thing to think like, feel bad for me. I have type one and I'm doing these sports or feel, you know, I'm like, I, I kind of want to make it a non-issue and just do these events despite it, you know, and, but not make it a big deal. And that was the first time where I was very mad that I had to deal with this disease and everybody else, well, not everybody else, but you know, most everyone else I knew training for an Ironman didn't have to deal with that and being so frustrated and so mad. And that was the first time too, that I had ever remembered in any of my endurance events training before going to like such a dark place where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate this. I can't, it's, it's so hard. I mean, throughout the whole spring, I cried at home. I cried at the gym in spin class and I cried at work to my friend who would listen. And I just, I've never, that's never happened to me in training before. And I, I think it's all due to blood sugars and having to deal with dialing back my insulin and how I'm eating and the excessive training. And it was, it was very hard. I mean, the, I the Ironman is, hands down the hardest thing I've ever trained for. It's a wild event. <laughs> it kind of seems like what got to you was the the lack of control. When here you are with a training plan and you know step A, step B, step C for you know six months of training. And now you've kind of got this thing that you've had for years, but now it's not cooperating. And there isn't really a guidebook on how to do that. It's not like the training plan you get for the Ironman that says your first run, you do this with your insulin, your second run, you do this, your third run, you do that. And then you're fine. It's kind of always changing. And yeah, it's, I guess it's that, that lack of control, that lack of, well, and lack of consistency. I mean, even, that's type one, right? <laughs> you, you, you can follow the textbook all you want and you can do everything right. I'm using air quotes you can't see, but, and it can still be totally, it just does its own thing, right? You can eat the exact same thing and take the same amount of insulin for all your same workout. And because the sky was blue that day, it decided you're going to go high and ruin your entire day or you're going to go low. So yeah, it is the lack of control. And even if you feel like you have as many of those variables under control as you can, you know, you eat right and you do all the things you put in that work and then it's still not, I think that that is, yeah, that's very frustrating. Was there a point this spring where you thought like, I'm not going to do it? Like, did you ever get to that point? Like, I'm going to drop out. Like, I can't do this. I don't think I ever thought I was going to drop out, partly because it's an $800 race <laughs> and partly because I wanted to go to Boulder. But um, I, there was definitely a, a period of time where I thought, I'm not going to make it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to finish this by the cutoff times. That was after we went out in April to test ride and run the course it was very hard. My blood sugars were a hot mess that whole weekend and really high. At one point I felt sick when I was riding and just, I remember getting done and being like, Oh my gosh, I never, I never thought I couldn't do it. There's a 17 hour cutoff in the Ironman. And I always thought just finish it. I don't care about the cutoff or like, I don't care if it takes me 17 hours, but I always thought per my training plan, like 
put in the time, you can do it. That's kind of always my, anybody can train for anything. You just have to, you know, you, you just have to put in the time. Um, and after that weekend, I was like, I don't know if I can bike fast enough and run fast enough to make these cutoffs. I don't know if I'll actually be able to do it. And that, that was really hard to think about. I did get over that. It was just a really tough weekend. And like in the middle of me dealing with readjusting some insulin things and, but yeah, that happened. And again, that's never really happened to me training for anything. So that, that was another kind of like mental blow where you're like, what am I doing? Like, I can't believe I signed up for this. Who let me sign up for this? Who told me I could do this? When you show up at the start line and you're, you know, eyeing that 2.4 mile swim and in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, there's the bike ride. There's the run. How much are you thinking? Can I physically do this? And how much are you thinking? God, I hope I can keep my blood sugars in range for the next 17 hours. Way more blood sugars. I felt really good about my training. I was like feeling really strong and I wasn't as worried about the cutoffs times and finishing as I had been, you know, a couple months prior. So I was much more worried about what my blood sugars were and I wanted them to really stay in range just because I knew that that could totally make or break my day. And it kind of did all the issues I ran into were due to, you know, having higher or low blood sugar. And when you say staring down that swim, I had to leave my Dexcom receiver in, in transition. And when I left it, because why would my blood sugars behave normally on Ironman day? in the morning. I've been eating the same breakfast for months and, you know, doing the same routine, provided insulin accordingly. But this day they decided to hover around 100. And I think at one point I had a 97 with a slight arrow down. And I know that that's a very nice number, but not when you're staring down a 2.4 mile swim and a 17 hour day. So I, I left my decks and my blood sugar was 93 before the swim. And I was like, that's lower than I want it to be for, for an hour, some swim. So I killed another cliff bar and I, but I was, right off the bat, I was nervous about what my blood sugars would be. I mean, yeah, just the whole day, it was constantly like checking and worrying and thinking, are they going to go up or are they going to go down? And if I eat this or if I eat that, and um, just because once they are off, kind of, they're not in your norm for working out. I, I don't know. I always feel like it's like, I can't expect anything from them and they're always going to do something I don't want them to do. So yeah, it was, it's the whole, the whole day was about what my blood sugars were. Despite the roller coaster day I had, I started that race with a 93 and I ended that race at a 105. And so <laughs> it looks like a really nice day when you look at it that way. <laughs> So you cross the finish line. At what point do you think, holy crap, I just did that with type one? It's more of a footnote. It's more like, oh my gosh, I just did this thing. You don't think it makes you more proud? Initially, it's just like, I just did an Ironman. But then I think it's when I start to talk about it and share the experience with other people is when I get more proud of the type one because that's when you are explaining kind of the experience and what you went through or when I talk about training. And honestly, the hardest part of training was that mental dark space I went to, which I feel like was caused by type one. So the fact that I, I'm proud to have made it to the starting line, (laughs) 
to be type one and make it to that starting line to, to sign up for it and train for it and do that. I mean, because the training was so hard. And then honestly, I think a lot of the challenges I had day of were due to blood sugar issues with the heat and with, I got a flat tire, which killed 25 minutes out of my day. So I wasn't moving for 25 minutes and my blood sugar was just shot right up. And so a lot of the challenges I faced were based, were starting with what my blood sugar was and it not being where I want it to be. So I think that's when I start to get more proud of the fact that not only did I do an Ironman, I did it with type one. And I want it to be that if you don't have type one training for an Ironman isn't hard. It is. (laughs) But I mean, I went through that whole period of like, you guys don't have to deal with this, you know, the other people I know training. And so um, I think it is an accomplishment. And I guess I don't like, necessarily say that out loud enough so the iron man you train alone essentially uh or at least the only person with type one which is very different from a year ago when you did bite beyond with a whole bunch of people with type one do you think doing bike beyond in a way help prepare you for these other endurance events you learn so much when you spend a summer with 20 other people with type one diabetes who are active and they want to pursue these crazy events or you're all, you know, biking for a hundred miles together or whatever. I mean, we had, you know, trail runners and um, other endurance triathletes on the team and just people who kind of have that mindset from a type one athlete standpoint, all of the like knowledge and things that I try and do, I've learned from other type ones. My endocrinologist, he's great in the CDE. She's a lovely human, but they don't have type one and they're not running marathons. You know, they don't get it from a type one perspective and they're not going through the training. And so it's like, I learned so much from people who have just spending time with other people with type one, you learn different tricks of the trade, essentially, you know, you learn different ways to treat highs and different ways to treat lows. And then also knowing that I've grown my network of type ones and type one athletes. So if I do have a question, I have people at my fingertips to reach out to and be like, this happened today. What do you think I should do? Or honestly, I mean, even just venting, you know, it, it's so much better to vent and, cry and complain and to some when you're dealing with a blood sugar issue to someone with type one than it is to my friends who don't get it, you know, or like don't have to deal with that. Even if they're still just listening and they can't, they don't have a solution for you, you know, on the other end, they're like, that sucks. I've been there. You're doing one of these endurance events like this Ironman and, you know, you get a flat tire, you stop, your blood sugars go high. You start, you know, you change your basal rate, your blood sugar starts to go low. How do you mentally deal with that during the race? How do you deal with these highs and lows and not get burned out? Um, I, I don't know. You don't really. I mean, you do. You, ha- you just have to get over it. I think it's just kind of you need to know going into it that my, my, my whole thing was I want to finish this race. So deal with it. <laughs> it's like, okay, take a second to be frustrated or mad and then reel it in and be like, what do I need to do to fix this? Do I need to give insulin? Do I need to eat something? Just slow down, but keep moving yourself forward. So I would just bike really slow or walk. 
and I, I don't know. Yeah. You just, you're, if it's either when you think about your options, it's either like get over it and fix it and keep moving yourself forward. So you can finish this race that you came here to do or sit and wallow in it, miss the cutoffs and don't complete the event. And it's like, what, what do you want? You're here to do it. I think, I mean, it was like my first Ironman. I was like, I have to cross that finish line. I have to do it. And so I just, I just kind of got myself mentally through it and you, and you know, and that's all you can really do. And it's kind of a good metaphor for life with type one, not even just endurance events, but just keep moving forward. Like what are you, what's your other option? Like you said, sit and wallow or, or just keep going. Yep. It's very true. But when you don't have a 17 hour time limit on you, you can wallow a little bit more. <laughs> Do you think that doing the training for this Ironman has changed how you look at living with type one diabetes? Yeah, I think it's made me appreciate it. I think going through that training and that dark space that I like mentally have never been through before it's made me appreciate the fact that like I can go through this training and live with type one. And it kind of makes you see the challenges that you live with more. Just be proud of your every day. You know, you don't have to go out and do an Ironman to be proud of just honestly living with type one. Cause there is a lot of challenges and a lot of those things came up because I was training, but a lot of those things happen anyways even if i'm not training for something you have highs and you have lows right so i think just realizing that it's always a challenge but how about this the fact that i was like i'm ruining my training plan halfway through and i'm not going to ever finish this and then i did it anyways you know i think that to remind yourself that if you're at a low point whether you're training or you're just low because diabetes is frustrating in general when you're not training for anything just knowing that even though it doesn't seem like it in the moment, you'll get through it and you will be successful in whatever you're doing or you, you know, there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, even though, even if you can't see it at the moment, I think it's just that fact too, that I went through that really dark period and I came out the other end to complete it. Um, it's just a great reminder that even if it's like the hardest thing you've ever done, you'll, you'll get through it and you'll succeed. I think, or you can, you know, if you just keep going forward. Betasil is produced, recorded, and edited by me, Craig Steubing, and our theme music is by Purple Glitter. Be sure to subscribe to Beta Cell wherever you listen to podcasts to get all of our shows downloaded onto your listening device as soon as they're available. While you're there, how about giving us a review? On the Apple Podcasts app or on iTunes on your computer, scroll down to the reviews and write your own. It really helps other people find the show. And if you love Beta Cell, you can support us on Patreon. There you can get access to our exclusive, supporter-only podcast, Out of Range, After Dark go to patreon.com forward slash beta cell. I'm Craig Steubing, and this is Beta Cell.